Welcome to Confessions of a Melanated Queen, a podcast designed to celebrate achievements within black culture. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Meeks. Hey family, welcome back. So this is my first solo episode and my confession is this. This was the hardest episode I've ever produced. I'm just not used to taking the mic and talking to myself, but I'm so excited to receive your questions. But before I jump into this episode, I want to clarify some of the answers that I provided. At the time that I recorded this episode, it was super late at night and I may have been a little tired. So I feel like I need to reiterate something. In response to the questions about relationships and whether or not it's healthy to argue, I want to really drive home that it's never okay to stay with a person who makes you unhappy. I just want to make sure that I don't leave a gap in that response. It is never okay to stay in an unhappy situation. I'm not saying that you can't have bad days. I'm not saying that you can't, you know, have a few hours where you're not speaking. But just in general, if you're unhappy, you need to leave. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. So having said that, I look forward to hearing your feedback. And thank you again for all of your support. So everybody wants to know what happened to We City. Okay, so here's the story. When I left my job in higher education, or was forced out of my job in higher education, you know the story. Um, I went into nonprofit work, and I worked for a youth program for a couple of years. And throughout that process, you know, I was still really dealing with the stress of losing my job. I was in the middle of a doctoral program. And I was a little confused as to why I was there. I completely had lost my identity. I didn't expect these things to happen. I didn't expect to transition from a career that I loved into a career that was totally new to me. And so I was trying to honestly identify a way to become self-employed. The problem is that I settled for nonprofit work because that's all I knew at that moment. I was not, and at that time, didn't see myself as a business person. I didn't see myself as someone who can manage a business. I didn't see myself as someone who can run a for-profit business. Only thing I knew was giving back, working a nine to five, where the whole premise of my work was serving leadership and providing care and support for students, um, to working at a community-based organization where I built programs and worked with young people and supported them and their families. And so I started my own nonprofit because I thought, okay, well, this is what I know. You know, I know how to create programs. I know how to pilot programs. I know, you know, I knew how to create a program logic model. I knew how to evaluate. I knew how to collect data. You know, I knew how to verbally and through writing articulate the needs of a program. Um, I knew how to develop an assessment, you know, so those are things I was familiar with. And I didn't see a profit in that. I didn't see a way to make a profit off of that. Uh, but I did know that I wanted to be self-employed at some point. So I chose a nonprofit route because that's what made sense to me at the time. And so uh, We City went well for almost a year. And then I, you know, one day just woke up and realized that, you know, this is something that I don't want to do anymore. And that's, that's just to be honest. The reality is, is that I was pouring all of my own personal funds and my time and energy into running a youth program in a local school and to getting marketing together and not really being totally committed to the idea. You know, again, I, I, I had left a um, profession that 
I was very comfortable with. And then I went through a stage when I was lost and I really didn't know what to do. So, you know, it was really just, it it was the, it was the best, the, the next best thing for me was to start a nonprofit. And so this time last year is when it hit me, you know, it was, it was around Christmas time. It was December, 2017. I was in a youth program that I created at a local school. We were running a pilot program. And that's when you guys were seeing me online because remember before, before two years ago, I wasn't on social media. So my friends out there who know me, my family who know me, I wasn't on social media. And when I started the nonprofit, I knew that I would have to get on social media. And I did. And so it was it was just this past year that, you know, it, it, it kind of dawned on me that this is not necessarily what I want to do. It's just the one thing that I knew how to do. And so that was that. So to answer the question of is is we city coming back? What happened to we city? I mean, it's still there. It's still active with the state. I just had a conversation with my my business coach a little while ago. And she was telling me that, you know, that may be something I can consider, you know, um, passing on to somebody else, you know. So it is a turnkey nonprofit. It is 501c3 recognized. I, I, I have all the paperwork on it. And I have no plans in the immediate future to do anything with it. So if anybody's interested in a 501c3, let me know. We could talk about it. There may be a process to transition that over. But, you know, it's 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 an example of when you don't think things through. And there's a question that I'll follow up a little bit later on about how oftentimes we don't know how to deal with some of our emotions and we jump on things. And so that was kind of an impulsive decision of mine. But it taught me a lot. And, you know, as I wrap up answering this question, what We City taught me was that I like building my own stuff. You know, I love being the architect. And I have the saying now, and I always say, it's hard to respect when I'm not the architect. I, I enjoy building my own brand. I enjoy creating my own stuff. And so, but although I do work a nine to five every day, well, four days a week, you know, I, I, I commute nearly 90 minutes a day and uh, well actually each way almost three hours a day so I, I'm still committed to working for other people for now but there's something very special about creating my own stuff and so that's that's really what I was looking for I was just trying to figure out my niche and what what made sense for me and so I, I kind of fell off from it you know and I haven't really touched on it at all of 2018 and so that's when the confessions brand was started And I've been much happier with that. You know, in the beginning, I was afraid that I would give up very quickly, but I've actually enjoyed that. And that's because, to be honest, there has been some profit. I have a book. I've had, you know, interest in sponsorships in my podcast. I've been able to teach classes on on podcasting. So it, it actually makes sense. There is a profit from that, even if it's not much. And trust me, it has not been much. I'm just getting started. And I'm moving very slow this time. And I'm not jumping in head first like I did before. I'm taking my time. But, you know, with with the with a nonprofit approach and you're already, you know, working to try to fund it. My husband and I work really hard um, so that I was able to fund that. And it was a lot of money. I won't say that it was wasted because it taught me a lot. But, I, I you know, at one point I had to stop and ask myself, is this something that you really want to do? So, um, in short, or I should say a long version of that answer is that 
you know, I just I made some mistakes along the way. So, you know, I, I cannot say that I'm going to continue on with that. But if anybody's interested, it may be available. So that leads to the next question. What inspired Confessions of a Melated Queen? What was part of that story? It, it was me realizing that, you know, running an organization and not really understanding why I'm doing it, not really having a full clear picture even though I had a very nice strategic plan it wasn't really authentic it wasn't authentic so confessions of Melanie the queen was really just that it was about me coming out saying hey guys for the last few years you know I in some cases have been MIA because most of my friends and family do not get a chance to see me at social events and then I started this nonprofit. I've been trying to wear this face that I thought would be appropriate for this organization you all haven't really heard from the real Lauren in a while. So confessions was really about that. Just me kind of just writing blogs and sharing stories and providing commentary on topics that interest me. And then it evolved. So that was really the inspiration behind it. The next question, how long have you been married? I have been married 10 and a half years now. Um, so my husband and I have been together since 2007 we married in 2008 and it's been interesting because you know you go through stages and we've definitely have had our stages and so we're in a really good place now but you know it's been a journey we, we married at 25 25 years old and so looking back on I realized now that I was quite young but you know we did and we broke all the rules we're, we we definitely broke all the rules and so the another person asked any relationship advice? Well, I try to stay away from that, from answering that question, because, you know, it, and I, I see that there is a climate now, especially on social media, where people are extremely sensitive about what's said about relationships. So a pastor can get on TV and provide a, a statement um, about his own relationship and people are all upset. <laughs> which I, I never understood. Um, so it's just to me, I try to stay out of other folks stuff. So I really can't advise anybody on what they should do. What I will say is that what I've learned is that all rules do not apply. You know, I had something that that I didn't realize until maybe a couple of years into my marriage is that I had my parents It's great examples. They were great examples. So I modeled I tried to model everything from them. And I think I mentioned this in my book. I tried to model my life after them. I did not take into consideration the person that my spouse was and who he may grow into. I didn't take into consideration the personality of my child. You know, I just knew what I had growing up, what that looked like. And so the best advice I can give someone is to, you know, sometimes put aside what you imagined, you know, living with a person or sharing your life with a person or even courting a person will look like and really just focus on what's real. If a person is telling you, this is what it is, what it is. This is who I am. This is how I think. Don't go imagining some other stuff because it, it, because it, it fits, you know, whatever your needs are, whatever you think your standards are, you know, accept it, accept that. Um, and I go back to the rules sometimes do not apply. So, you know, there, there are all types of rules. Um, you should be with a man who has the same amount of education as you and he should make this amount and he should be this religion 
and he should believe in this and he should look like this and he should be at least this tall because you're this short whatever sometimes some really silly stuff and I think that you know when you when you're so focused on that you you have to ask where the source came from were you taught that did you read that in somebody's novel you have to think about whether or not that applies to you so when I say I broke all the rules in my relationship I literally did everything opposite of what I thought I would do you know I married somebody at work and not just at work I was an employee at a college and he was a veteran that came home and was enrolled as a student and everybody I worked with said you're going to lose your job from that I didn't get fired from that years later something else happened but you know that that definitely wasn't planned I didn't plan for that to happen but it did um I didn't think that I would leave my job to marry a Navy man and move across the country. I didn't expect that to happen. So I broke my own rule with that. You know, I already had my own plan. And so I think that you have to be mindful not to have this cookie cutter plan in place and be open to adventure, but still be mindful. Don't be a fool. Be careful, you know, have your ducks in row, have some money saved up, think on your own. But, you know, sometimes the rules don't apply. And so I think that we have to be open to starting our own set of rules and creating our own standards and finding out what works for you. And the best advice I can give anybody is take it all to God, pray about it. You know, my husband expressed interest in me. I was very confused because again, I was an employee at a place that I really loved working at. He just came out of nowhere. He had left the military for a year before he reenlisted. And that's where he met me. And you know, he wants me to follow him across the country while he reenlisted in the military. And that certainly was not a part of my plan. And so I had to pray on that. I really did uh, spend a lot of time praying and talking to God about that. And so eventually I was led to make the decision to, I hate to use the word submit, but that's exactly what it was because it, I, I wasn't happy about that. <laughs> but, um, but once I did, I did. And, and I, and I could see the future that we had. So Best advice is, you know, pray on everything. So a lot of people have questions about relationships. So one of the questions is, is it healthy to argue, have disagreements with your spouse? Do you feel like once a week is too much? Yes and no. This is why. Um, it goes back to what what is your situation? What are you arguing about? Are you, do these, you know, debates have you feeling some kind of way that's unhealthy in the end I can tell you that in my personal relationship yeah we argued a lot we were two people who loved one another who wanted to make this work but we really had a very different extreme extremely extreme ideas on what happiness meant you know for him it was traveling being everywhere but Illinois for me, it was being right here down the street from my parents, having my own house and having my own space, but being close to family. We had two different environments that we grew up from. And I, you know, so it was very, it was very challenging for us. So for me to walk away from, you know, all the things that I had worked for my career, I had just finished my master's degree when we got together and to connect with someone who, in my opinion, had no um, idea of where he wanted to be five, 10 years down the road. He just knew that he wanted to be somewhere outside of here. I didn't understand that. And so we we found ourselves 
debating one another a lot, you know, just really struggling and, and, you know, it was silly stuff for the most part. And maybe it was unhealthy, but again, it's the power of prayer too. But we had to grow. We were young. I think it depends on what you're arguing about. I mean, if you argue about little silly stuff around the house, you know, you didn't close the sugar up good, or I need you to put down the toilet, you know, the stuff like that, it's not a big deal. Um, and it depends on your tolerance. I mean, some people just really, they like to argue. And so no matter what, they're going to fuss with one another. But if it's to the point that where it's causing you, you know, um, fear, if you're crying all the time, if you're, you're always upset, then yeah, that's not healthy, you know, but my grandparents lived together for 60 years and they argued every day. That's just who they were. So I, I think that you really have to evaluate the situation and the severity of it. You know, if you guys are having healthy conversations and you are two people who are strong willed and you are two people who really just want to understand one another and your definition of argument is just having, you know, a discussion that can be a little heated sometimes that may not be a bad thing, but it really, you have to really pay attention to what, what that looks like for you and what, how you feel afterwards you know, but, uh, I, I think it can be unhealthy, but I think it can also be okay. I mean, but weekly, yeah, it, it really depends on your personalities, but I've been there. I, we don't argue nearly as much as we used to, but that's one of the things that, like I was saying that, you know, I had my parents as an example and my parents never argued. They never fought. We never saw it. If they did, we didn't see, it. we lived in a very small home and we didn't see it. So when I give this person and we're always at odds with one another, it was very traumatic for me. So I think you have to take all that into, into consideration. So next question, what books are you reading? I am still trying to push through Michelle Obama's Becoming. Uh, it's not a difficult read. It's actually a really good book. It's just that I've been so busy. I'm also reading, I'm still reading Fate of the Black Family. I'm still reading Voices of the 21st Century with our sister, Lakey Shea Nadir Muhammad, as a co-author. So I'm, I'm juggling a few things, and but I, I really want to get through that becoming because I, I've had it for a little while now, and I think I'm still like on chapter two, to be honest with you, maybe three. So that's what I'm reading. What are the ways you cope with moments of depression or anxiety? This is a big one. I'm going to tell you what I should have done and what I did do. The one time I knew, and, and I'm not sure at the moment I, I knew, but I, I, I should have, I should have went to counseling when I lost my job. I didn't think to do that. How I coped with that was I literally jumped into the next thing I could. And that wasn't necessarily healthy because I didn't get a chance to really process everything. So I probably should have went to counseling for that because I did go through a, a moment in a stage in a season of depression. And, um, you know, you think that oftentimes a depression looks one way and it, it can vary, you know? And so that's the way I, I handled it. I just jumped right into, of course, looking for jobs again. I mean, I, I didn't waste any time. I was, I was trying to do a, a, a few things that just didn't make sense at the time, but I didn't want to think about what had just happened. I just wanted to move on. You know, and so it that didn't really help. But one of the things that, that did help was that that was during a time when I think that my family grew closer. So my husband and I grew closer. 
my son and I grew closer because I was very much involved with my career and the work that I did every day outside the home that I don't want to say that they became second to that because that, that wouldn't necessarily be true. But, you know, it, it, I didn't rely on, you know, conversations with my spouse and support from him as much because I felt like at the time I had a lot of friends and colleagues and associates in the workplace that I can often chat with and bounce ideas off of them. And so I was forced to rely more on him. And I think that I realized that that may have been one of the reasons why God allowed me to lose that job is because I was completely neglecting my family in some areas. In some areas, I definitely neglected them. And so I would say that if I felt like I was going through a a bout with depression again, I will quickly see someone now uh, because at the time, I don't think I really understood how important that was. So how have people responded to your book? There are some controversial topics in there. The response has been mostly positive. I will say that there are some people who are very quiet about it. So either one or two things has happened. Either they got it, they bought it and they didn't read it or they bought it and they are not sure how to feel about it. And I say that is because I know I have a few friends and I kind of know their perspectives on things and they haven't commented at all. Um, I know some people honestly just they they bought it and they just haven't had a chance to read it. But, you know, I think that there are people who really are like, OK, what's going on? So I, I don't even want to start with us. I won't say anything. But for the most part, people are very um, supportive and people who have read it seem to enjoy it. They are, you know, motivated and inspired by it. Many people can relate to some of the chapters, especially, you know, dealing with folks in the workplace and just going through various things as a black woman, some of the quotes from the book. So for the most part, I've had a lot of positive responses, but I think the quiet ones are the ones who really don't know how to feel about it. So you are very critical of the feminist and Me Too movement. Do you really believe that black women should stay away from those issues? I think black women should be very careful with anything that does not first serve them and their people because oftentimes the reason why I wrote that chapter and I can't remember what what exactly sparked me to write that (laughs) there was something that was going on at the time me too had just really became big and I'm not suggesting that me too was not necessary I think that most women at some point have been approached in an inappropriate way in the workplace or by um, a colleague or someone who made advances that you did not necessarily appreciate. However, I do think that oftentimes black women have been used in white women's agenda. And the feminist movement has been a prime example of that. You know, when black women are losing their sons in the streets, when our kids are suffering, when you know, our spouses can't get a job. When those social workers were coming to the house, making sure that black men weren't in the home, where were they? Where, where were the, the feminists then? Where were the pink hats then? So, you know, I, I do think we should be careful. I think that oftentimes it's really easy now to hop on a hashtag, but we're not really paying attention to the origin and the intent of that so-called movement. Is it really benefiting us? And not just us as a family. See, I'm concerned with the family dynamic. I love being a black woman. I love being a woman, but I'm black first. 
I've always identified my race and my culture first. And so I, if it, if it doesn't build us as a family unit, I don't really find it beneficial. That's just me. And so I do think that black women should be very careful and be very mindful of um, these movements that don't overall address the needs of our families. So that's that. What do you love most about being a wife? Um, I think having a best friend, you know, and, and there are times when my husband and I have debated about whether or not we think we're best friends. And, you know, his argument was, can I really, really tell you everything like a best friend can? And he makes a good point because it's some things I'm not sure if I want to know. You know, you get together with your girlfriend and you're going to say things to her. She's going to say things to you that nobody else should know about because you guys are girls or your best friends. But, you know, I, I'm learning now that, you know, maybe you don't always have that relationship, but a best friend truly is somebody who you can always depend on, who's always there. And I think that we're at a place now where we see each other as that. No, maybe I don't want to hear about all of your crazy thoughts about, um, I don't know, Instagram models or something. Maybe I don't want to hear that. Maybe sometimes I do hear about it. You know, we, we share great laughs, but, you know, really being with somebody who truly loves you unconditionally, that's, that's something that um, I think is really important. And that's what I love about being a wife more than anything. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same person asked this question. What do you love most about being a mom? That has changed over the years. My son is nine. So in the beginning, what I love most about being a mom was really just taking care of that sweet baby, you know, watching his little cartoons with him, even giving him a bath and picking out his clothes and just loving on them because he was so innocent, so sweet, so precious. Now that he's growing up, what I love most about being a mom is just really getting to know him and his personality, who he is. And, you know, there, there have been moments just recently when I'm like, oh my gosh, we can't do the same things we used to do. He doesn't like some of the things that he used to like. And I felt kind of left out. Like I wasn't, um, I did not know how to connect with him because he's a, he's going to a young man now. So he has different interests. So I felt a little sad for a minute and I was like, I guess, you know, he's growing up. It's all good. And so I decided to kind of just focus on who is he now? Who is this young person and what type of personality does he have? And that's who I love. So I just, I love being a part of that and watching someone who came from me, but who is very much, you know, his own person. And so I really enjoyed that. And the truth is, I mean, you know, I think about who he could become in the future and, you know, how God blessed me with the opportunity to be his mother, you know, out of all the people in the world, he chose me to be his mother. And so that's probably what I enjoy most about that. I just feel really blessed. So what do you believe your purpose is here in this lifetime? What advice would you give yourself at age 26? Now, that's a very specific question. Um, well, we'll break it up. First part, what do you believe your purpose here in this? What do you believe your purpose here is in this lifetime? Um, I think I have several purposes. I think one of the things that I'm supposed to do and that I always do naturally is just to connect people with resources. Uh, you know, I started off my career as an academic advisor because I really wanted to help people find out what they love to do and what makes them happy. And I, I did that for a number of years and I really enjoyed that. And so having an opportunity to sit with somebody and give them 
a list of options and show them how to connect the dots was very enjoyable. So even after I transitioned out of that, I still found myself connecting with folks. You know, maybe it's not an academic setting now, but, you know, introducing people to people, you know, giving somebody an idea that they never thought about. I just think that that's part of it. But I don't know what else is out there for me. You know, I believe there are a lot of purposes. I mean, I was meant to be my son's mother. I was meant to be my husband's wife. I was meant to be my parents' daughter. You know, I was meant to work in the academic setting for eight years. I was meant to work in nonprofit for four years. There are some more things I'm sure that God has planned for me. And so, you know, I pray that I live to be able to fulfill that. But more about this advice you would give yourself at 26. Well, when I was 26, I was a newlywed. I had been married a year. I was living in Hampton, Virginia. I was married to a Navy man who was always deployed and I was pregnant. So the advice I would give Lauren back in 2009 when she was 26, um, just chill. I spent a lot of that time worried about the decisions that I had made and how did I get to this place. <laughs> and one day I remember being good and pregnant, unemployed, and a housewife. And one day I looked up and realized that my rent was paid. Our bills were paid. We had food in, in, in our fridge. We had access to resources. We had a running car. We had our health and strength. I had a healthy baby. My pregnancy was healthy. And I was like, why am I worried? You know, I'll work again. I'll eventually make my way back home around my family and friends again. I won't be out here on the East Coast practically alone forever so if I can go back and tell 26 year old Lauren anything any advice I would say chill out because I had no idea what was in store for me you know eventually that same job that I left brought me back they brought me back and we ended up buying a couple of homes back out here and, and everything worked out fine so I would tell her to chill out and not worry about it because that was the probably the first and only time in my life that every day was a holiday I can just get up and just enjoy being me and being free and, and having someone to care for me and just being safe. And I, and, and it wasn't that bad, but I worried too much. So that's what I would tell her. So the question that everybody wants to know is what's the countdown about? Well, you have to just wait and see you have a few more days. Um, but of course it, it's, there's something centered around the new year. So just expect some announcements to be made. Um, you know, there were a few questions that I decided just to kind of put into one. But, you know, a lot of people have a lot of relationship questions. A lot of people have a lot of questions about, you know, why I've made some of the decisions that I've made, um, the confessions brand. But one of the questions that people ask me the most about that I wanted to kind of combine is about the podcast and what that experience has been like. So, you know, uh, to answer a few of your questions about that, someone had asked, what has been the most challenging part about podcasting? Um, for me, it would, would, what I struggled with a couple of times is that sometimes I just became overwhelmed with trying to do everything on my own. And there are times I felt like giving up. Thankfully, I'm past that point now. I'm pretty good now. But I, I had a moment a few months ago when I was like, okay. But I couldn't stop because I already had folks lined up. One thing about me, I don't like going back on my words. If I said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So that thankfully that kept me accountable. But if it wasn't for that, I probably would have taken a break. 
but I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I did not. So that that's one challenging thing that I experienced is just not really feeling comfortable with moving forward sometimes. And I think just naturally getting tired, naturally getting tired. And um, but I'm, I'm in a much better place. I'm, I'm really excited. And I think it's especially since I have some things coming down the pipeline that I really want to share. So now I'm excited. Uh, one of the things that I think that I enjoy most about it is just learning from people. Everyone I bring on, I learn so much from them. I learn so much from them. So, you know, it's not just a way for me to connect the audience with the guests. It's a way for me to really, truly ask questions that I really want to know and understand. I mean, we've met with authors. We've met with, you know, folks who work in media. We met with folks who work in nonprofit, you know, all types of people. And most of these folks are local people, a business coach, you know, the Royal Empress, you know, we, we've had some great guests and I know I've learned a lot. And so it's really been a lot of fun. It's manageable, you know, with podcasting, you can literally do it wherever you want, a home office, your bed, walking around outside in your car, if you wanted to, it's something that you can manage on your own. Does it take a lot of work for me? Yes, because I do produce my own show. I'm learning how to edit much better. And so there are a lot of things that I can do now that I wasn't able to do six months ago. I do all the marketing. I finance all the marketing, which is why I'm always looking for sponsors because it's very helpful to be able to get some of that stuff kind of covered. But, you know, we, I've had a lot of support and so I'm super excited about it. But um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the experience that I've had. It's been a roller coaster. So there've been good days and bad days. And again, I still work. I still go somewhere and I, I, I clock in every day. Um, and because of that, time is limited. So when I, when I am off on Fridays, that is just really a day I commit to my business and building this brand and taking it one day at a time. Uh, one of the questions that someone wanted to know is how do you choose your guests? Well, every, most of the people, most of the folks who I've had on the show are people who I've sought out. Most of them, I sought them out. And, you know, in the future, you may see some changes because people are kind of catching on. I've had, I have had folks reach out and ask me, how can they be on the show? But most of the people I reached out to because I'm a fan of their work. I appreciate something about them. And because I appreciate them, I want everybody else to know about them as well. So that's how that happens. And that makes it much easier for me to have a conversation. I know that it, it can be challenging when you don't know much about a person and you're just kind of asking questions because you're on the show. But when you have a genuine and authentic interest in them, it makes a huge difference. And so I would definitely prefer it that way, you know, but, um, you know, there are times when I, th I think there's an opportunity for folks just to kind of learn about somebody new and I can learn with them. And we have those episodes as well, but most of them are people who I, I personally invited on the show, you know, and I really want to hear their story. So there were a few more questions, but they kind of were like along the same lines of um, the rest of these, especially as it relates to uh, everybody's interested in marriage and relationships. So a little bit about that. My, my husband and I were going to do a show, but he felt very uncomfortable with coming on the show because he just felt like he may kind of tarnish my reputation. <laughs> and that's because when we have real conversations about stuff, we're very honest and brutal. 
and because we've gone through a lot. And so, you know, people like to ask questions about relationships, but when you start saying, you start sharing some of the stories of some of the things you've gone through, people are like, Oh no, I, I wouldn't have put up with that. I wouldn't have done this and that, and, you know, and then it becomes something different though. So, you know, maybe one day we can still get him on the show. I would love to have him. I've already had my mother and father. And so the show is really about just celebrating black culture. And so of course, family is first to me. That means so much to me business is really important as well but I want people to also understand that the podcast was never intended to be just for business purposes I celebrate black folk period melanated people you know and so in the future you'll see you'll see folks who really absolutely have nothing to do with business at all you know you might talk to somebody uh you may hear me talk to somebody who literally is just someone who lives my community but they're doing something really dope so just just keep that in mind but I'm so excited that you guys sent these questions and that you wanted to know more about me and my family and who I am. Um, but I really want to thank everybody for all the support. I'm so excited about the new year. Uh, look forward to one more show this year. So on Christmas Eve, we will have attorney Ashley Kirkwood on. She has some great things coming down the pipeline for you all as well. Note that I have been sharing and supporting some of her efforts on Facebook and social media. So just know that, you know, she's going to come on the show next week and talk. And then we're going to close out for a week and pick back up January 7th with some more exciting guests. If you have not purchased the book, go ahead, log in to confessionsofmelanadequeen.com and order your book or two or three or four. It is the holiday season. Go ahead and make it a gift. And um, of course, you'll get a signed copy. And if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, please do. So you can always get notifications of this show. And if you do enjoy this show, I would really appreciate it if you gave us a nice review and give us five stars on iTunes. If you have any questions or concerns, email me at laurentmeeks at gmail.com. And I really look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to Confessions of a Melanated Queen. Follow Dr. Meeks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dr. Lauren Meeks. If you have a confession, visit confessionsofamelanatedqueen.com and share your story. Peace and love.